Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. What's up, Brave Church? Come on! I love it! Thank you so much. Isn't God amazing? Wow! Thank you for all of the love. I want to just push that love right back at you. We are like family here. Thank you, Pastor Slayton, for that um, great intro. Um, Thank you, Pastor David, for um, inviting me here. I am so honored to be speaking in the house today. And actually, I have been here one time before with Ken when he was teaching, and I had such a great time. And we, we really are like family. I mean, come on, like a live church, brave church. Like, we turn up at a live church. And I had to hold back right there in my seat because I wanted to save some energy so I can get the word out before I fall out on the stage. Um, but I'm just so, so excited to be here, guys. And um, I actually brought my family with you by, by way of picture, okay? Because I know you probably know my family a little bit from Pastor Ken, but you never heard it from my perspective, okay? I give all of the details, all right? And so um, I have a picture of my family. Here we are. This is a recent picture. And, um, you know, since we're family, you should know me a little bit before I just jump into the word, right? And so very quickly, y'all know Ken. He's awesome. He's calm, cool, collected all the time. I love him, but he's exactly the opposite of me. I'm not calm. I'm always on 10. I'm like breaking the knob and going into 11, 12, and 13, okay? And um, I'm not cool at all. Like, I'm just, I'm clumsy, all of that stuff. But he is, and he's awesome. But actually, I'm just like, I'm half white and half black. And so the first person, there's there's two questions that people ask me when they meet me. They're like, hi, what's your name? Da-da-da-da-da. What are you anyway? And so they asked me. And so just so you know, I know you were wondering, I'm half white, half black. My mom is Irish and German. My dad is African-American, a little bit of Native American. Amen. Shout out there. All right. And so... Uh, My mom, the white side of my family is from like the country, like West Virginia country. And the black side of my family, we're from West Virginia, but we're like from the hood. So I'm really like half redneck, half roughneck. Okay, so you don't know what you're going to get from me ever. Okay, I got that like crazy, crazy twitch sometimes. And um, so if you hear me go from like country in one sentence to hood in the next, you know why. All right, you know who I am. But my family here, my oldest here is Hannah. She's 13 years old and she's awesome and that's the only bad thing I have to say with her is that she is 13 all right do I have any moms and dads of teenagers in the house we love you teenagers but I'm just saying you're a little bit special we have charity here she's nine years old and charity's amazing she's like the one that's most like me okay because like the first time I let my brother babysit her and um, I came back home and my maiden name is Fitzgerald I came back home and Bruce goes my brother's name is Bruce he goes hey tab I think Charity has the Fitzgerald blood. (laughs) That means she got that little craziness in her. (laughs) But, you know, I think there's a couple of those in every family. Anybody, you know, you got the one child that will go off on you. You know, she's super sweet, but don't mess with her. Okay. And then we have the last one here is Kenny. He's seven years old. I love him, but really, he looks like his daddy. He acts like his daddy. They walk the same. They turn their head the same. It's crazy. But he is just like super fun all of the time. And he likes to crack jokes. And because he's seven, 
he doesn't know when a joke is appropriate or not. You know, so he says inappropriate jokes like in public and people, and you're like, oh, Kenny, don't say that. And so just this summer, um, we were in a hotel, we were out on vacation, and I was just like trying to tell him, hey, Kenny, how do you like this hotel? Isn't this fun? You know, when I was little, I didn't have a lot of money. We never went to a hotel. And he goes, really, mommy? They had hotels back then? I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave you alone, little boy. But that is my family. We're the Claters, and please consider us family. I want you to know, Brave Church, that in Gainesville, in Orlando, you have some cousins up there that have your back. We're praying for you. Pray for us, and um, let's advance the kingdom. Amen. Well, y'all ready for the word? Come on. I'm so ready for this word today. I'm so excited. Um, The title for today is Take Up Your Sword. And it's really a message about overcoming. Yes, y'all. I brought my sword today, by the way. Brave, you know. I thought that you might like it. Um, So anyway, the title is Take Up Your Sword. Let me pray and then we'll get right into the message. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, for loving us the way that you we love the way that you do love us. We love you right back, Lord. And I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you do only what you can do in this message today, in this service today, Lord. Save, heal, deliver, make whole, set free. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name, and we promise to give you all the glory for it. Amen. All right, y'all. So I'm going to start off in Genesis, right? We're going to go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And there's a story off in the Garden of Eden, all right? And so the Garden of Eden... It comes in, there's a story talking about Adam and every need taken care of. Eve are living the life in Eden, y'all. I mean, they have every need taken care of. Um, Every need is met. They don't want for anything. There's no evil in the earth at this time. I mean, there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no crime. There's no sadness. They are just living the good life in Eden, okay? And so I would just imagine at this time, like um, Adam, he's like really dominating. You know, Lord gave the God gave him dominion and power. I mean, he's really dominating in the garden. Okay, I can see him not riding in like a Beamer, Benz, or Lambo, but he's like riding with like a a Jaguar, a Panther, riding on an elephant, like really ruling and domaining in the garden. And even with Eve, you know, I imagine she's like lady boss in it, right? She's got her stuff working for her. Everything's all right. She's taking skinny dips on her lunch break. It's all good. In the garden, she has no wrinkles, no cellulite, come on, no stretch marks. It's all good for Eve in the garden. And so the Bible tells about uh, the, the, the goodness, and then the Bible talks about how one day, Eve is just, you know, Adam and Eve, they're chilling in the garden. And I would just imagine that Eve's sitting down. And the Bible says that Eve is approached by Satan in the form of a snake. And now it's really easy for me to understand how Satan could approach Eve in the form of a snake because Satan approaches me and speaks to me all the time in the form of a piece of chocolate cake. And so I can totally understand how this transaction went place, come on, went down, come on. And so um, Satan approaches Eve, and then that's where I want to pick up here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? 
of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. In verse four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave to her husband and he ate it with her. Wow. This is what we call the fall of man. This is what we call the original sin. This is when sickness and disease and death and crime and destruction and violence and sadness come into the earth for the very first time. What happened here? Adam, Eve, what happened here? And first when I read this story, I got kind of mad at Adam and Eve. I was just kind of like, you know how siblings go to a restaurant, start acting up, they mess it up for everybody. Now everyone has to leave the restaurant and go home. I just feel like, Adam, Eve, you messed it up for everybody. What is wrong with you? Why did you do that? But then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not even gonna be mad at them because I'm just glad it wasn't me now. Because I think that if it were you or if it were me, we probably would have done the same thing or something around there. Somehow we were gonna mess this thing up. We all need Jesus, right? And so now I'm just like, I'm glad it wasn't me. All right, let's roll. Let's let's see what we have to do to clean this up. So anyway, not mad at them anymore. So what happened here? I think like with with Adam and Eve, so Eve is sitting there, she's talking to Satan. First of all, I'm like, she has no business talking to him, right? I don't know if maybe she didn't recognize that this was her enemy. Maybe she, maybe she knew who he was and she was just having a bad day. Maybe she just let her guards down. I don't know. But I don't know why the daughter of truth was associating herself with the father of lies or the daughter of the father of truth, associating herself with Satan, the father of lives. But anyway... She's talking to Satan. And, you know, what she didn't know probably is that Satan had been studying her. He was watching her moves. He knew her flaws and her weaknesses. So he knew exactly which bait to give her. When he came up to her, notice he didn't come up to her talking about anything. He talked to her about the one thing that was near and dear to her heart. The one thing that was so close to her, I don't care what you did, she'll talk to you about this thing, it was God. He said, hey, what did God say? And I'm sure she was like, wow, you know, God, yes. And I mean, she's just so happy to talk about God. So she begins conversation with her enemy. She begins conversation with Satan. And then Satan begins to tell her things. I'm sure he's gassing her head at this point. She's getting engaged in more and more walls are falling down and I can just imagine Satan saying did God so why did God tell you to not to eat from that tree are you sure that you would die if you ate from that tree you know what I think Eve I think that God doesn't want you to be like him I think God is trying to hold you back Eve I think God is trying to keep something from you you know what Eve you're so beautiful You're so smart. You're so wise. God knows that if you ate of the fruit of the tree, you would be better than him. Eve, God is trying to hold you back. And so now what has happened? She's given her ear to the enemy. And when you begin to listen to what other people say about you and not God, you begin to forget who you are. And so now the enemy has her ear. And so what does she do? She eats 
of the tree and Adam eats of the tree. What happened? They ate of the tree because they were hoping to be more like God. But there was one crucial point that they forgot that they were already like God. They were already created in his image and in his likeness. They already reigned, had dominion and had power in the earth. And so when you, when you begin to listen to what other people have to say about you, you will forget who you are. Now, how many of you here today are allowing social media to define who you are? How many of you here today are allowing the magazine covers and Hollywood and your favorite musicians to define who you are? You're trying to fit in the box. You're trying to get the big booty, the big boobs and the shelf booty. But God hasn't created you to be like that. And I don't care about all of those things. You can get fixed up all you want. Do what you want to do, but don't let it define you. Those things don't make you and they don't break you. The only thing that has the right to define you is the one who created you, El El Yon, the Most High God. You are made in his image and in his likeness. Amen. So come on, ladies. You are more than just a big butt in a smile, right? You are more than what people are saying about you. You're more than the haters and the naysayers. You are created in his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, ladies. Come on. All right, men, what about you? You are more than your physical strength. You are spiritual giants. You are more than just a paycheck. You are more than alimony. You are more than child support. You are a holy nation, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on. And if God be for you, no one can be against you. Come on. You got to remember who you are. I didn't grow up in church. I got saved when I was 22 years old. Um, by this time, at 22 years old, I was diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety disorder. I was heavily medicated, um, on and off, on and off, because I just couldn't, I couldn't breathe, and I just, I, I dropped out of college, um, on and off, on and off, because I just couldn't cope with life. My problem was I was stuck in my past, and I heard that if you're stuck in the past, you miss the present and you never have a future. And so I was in this cycle, just stuck in my past, trying to move forward, but then I would just fall back. I was born and raised in the projects, sexually abused, physically abused, verbally abused, surrounded by domestic violence, alcoholism ripped through my family. There were sex, drugs, and violence all around. And so the weight of my past, even though I was in a new place, even though I was a grown woman now and nobody can do that to me anymore, my mind was just stuck and this spirit of depression weighed heavy on me. And so God, I love him so much. He's so amazing. I was suicidal and um, I began to teeter with the thoughts of, is it worth living or dying? Does anyone care? And at that point, I decided to try God. I started searching for God, and it, it, to make a long story short, I searched for God, and when I couldn't find him, he came and got me. It was a Saturday morning. I was laying in my bed, pitch dark with the covers over my head, depressed as ever, and I heard a knock at my door, and three evangelists were outside of my door holding Bibles, and they led me to God that day. And that day, my life changed at 22 years old. It changed. Two things happened. Number one, I had hope. 
I never had hope before. I had hope that maybe, maybe if there's a God who loves me, maybe I can do something with my future. Maybe it is worth living another day. And second, I felt love that I had never known in my life. And that gave me the strength to carry on. And so I grew in my Christian walk. I grew in my, my walk with God. And by the time I was 24 years old, I got into a good church like this one. They taught me the word. I mean, they taught me to study the word. They taught me to have a relationship with God. And I found out that I was an overcomer. That God has given me the ability to overcome my past. And then I found out that if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. All old things have passed away. Behold, I am a new creation. And so I got a little Holy Ghost swag on me at that point because I started to get confident in who I was because of the word of God. And so I took myself and I stood in the mirror and I began to quote the word of God over my life. And looking myself in the mirror with tears running down my face, I said, Tabitha, God loves you. Tabitha, I love you. Tabitha, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Tabitha, you are more than what those other people said. Tabitha, you are not a statistic. You're not going to be an alcoholic. You're not going to be pregnant with five kids like everybody. You are not going to do those things in Jesus' name. What did I do? I stood there and redefined my destiny. I redefined who I was in Christ Jesus. And I just know that there are some people in here today and you have been struggling with your identity. You've been struggling with who you are, listening too much to what other people have to say. I want you to put the nail in the coffin today. I want you to begin to stand in that mirror and look at yourself and say, no, God loves you and I love you. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Listen, you are not the sum total of your past mistakes. You are more. God has a destiny for your life. And if God said it, he will make it come to pass. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Amen. Amen. Got to remember who we are. We got to redefine the negative things that people have put on us. Amen. And so would you turn to me to with Ephesians? Uh, turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter six, verse seven. And um, Ephesians six, verse seven. And let me see. I have a sword around here somewhere. If somebody can get that for me. I'm going to read this verse. It says, take the helmet of salvation. And I want to focus on the latter part here, which says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, where is that sword? Oh, oh, okay, okay. It's coming, it's coming. All right, so what I love about God is that, first of all, he gives us weapons. And, you know, I I just like a weapon, you know, the sword of the spirit. I, I mean, I just like a weapon. And so I had to go out and buy me a sword so that I could play with it, have fun, you know, run around the house, like get my Wonder Woman on, you know, all of that. And so this sword right here is a a physical sword. It's the sword of the natural. But God says we have a sword of the spirit. And so with this physical sword, you see, it's it's a little intimidating. You know, if you were walking down the street and saw someone like, you know, with the sword, you'd be like, okay. (laughs) So it's intimidating. It's symbolic of power. It's symbolic of uh, royalty. It's symbolic of strength and dominion and authority. All in this sword is that it's more than what it says, right? And so then the Bible also says that 
um, the sword of the spirit is sharper than any two-edged sword. So this sword right here is a two-edged sword, and that means it cuts coming and it cuts going. So every direction, everything I say, it's just cutting, coming, and going. But the Bible says that this sword of the spirit that God has given us is sharper than even this. With this physical sword, this natural sword, it pierces flesh. But with the spiritual sword, it, it pierces the soul. And so the, fizzle, the, the spiritual sword that we hold is much pow- more powerful than this natural sword. And so... What do you do with the word of God? The Bible says to take up the word of the spirit. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so all we have to do is speak the word of God whenever, and that's how we take up our our, our sword. And I I started to think about this, take it up. So what that means is we all, if you're a born again believer, we all have a sword. Um, The question is, do we know that we have it? And do we take it up and use it? And so what I hate to think is that there are believers walking around with a sword on their back, with a sword on their side, or even a sword on their hand, and they don't know to take it up and use it. We can walk around and depression is just beating us down, but we don't know that we have a sword that we can slice through that depression. In the name of Jesus, I will not be depressed another day in my life. And so I use my spiritual sword all the time. You know, I'll be in the house and I probably use it more than what I should. I just had a a doctor appointment the other day. Um, It was an eye doctor appointment. And I was, I said that I was having trouble seeing up close. And she was just like, I don't know, you're at that age now. You might need some, you know, some help with that. I was like, I rebuke that in Jesus name. (laughs) I didn't want to be the one with glasses on. I wear glasses now and I just didn't want it being worse. But that's the sword of the spirit. I just picked up, I just spoke the word of God over that. Sometimes I'm in the house and you all saw my my three kids and I'll just be like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And the kids come running, mommy, mommy, what happened? I'm like, nothing, I'm just swinging my sword. (laughs) And so I just want to encourage you to pick up the sword of the spirit. And, um, you know, I had my youngest son, Kenny, when he was born, he had pneumonia. And um, it was really hard for us. Uh, He was hooked up to all of these tubes, um, on all of these machines. I couldn't nurse him. I couldn't hold him. Uh, And at the time, they didn't know what it was. They just knew that he was very sick. And so we didn't even know that it was pneumonia. And so all Ken and I needed, knew to do was just to pray and to believe God. Well, days went by, and we're, we're confessing the word, and we have the church praying for us and all of this stuff. And it's like um, eight days went by, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, this, I'm still here. And at the time, I was tired. You know, I was broken. I was in the hospital as well because I just gave birth to a 9-pound, 13-ounce baby. So I was very tired and sore. Praise the Lord. That's a miracle there. Um, and so, uh, one day I was sleeping, a team of doctors come in my room. Um, well, first of all, there was, there was one doctor who was my friend, um, and she was just really there to comfort me and stuff. I loved her, but she came in and she said, you know what, Tabitha, you really shouldn't worry about this because if it was something serious, they would have transported him to another hospital a long time ago. So this isn't that serious. Don't worry. So I wake up in the morning, a team of doctors come in my room and they say, Tabitha, We need to transport your baby to another hospital. And I sat there and listened to them. I asked asked questions. 
and they left the room. And as they left the room, I remember standing there in my hospital gown and it was like, I felt like my heart fell out of my chest and just broke into a thousand pieces on the floor. And I remember sitting there like I had a choice to make in that moment. I was either going to lay down and just take whatever the devil put my way or I was going to pick up my sword and I was going to fight. And so from that moment, I decided, no, I'm going to fight, even though I don't feel like it, even though my body hurts, even though I feel like giving up, even though I'm confused and I don't even know why this is happening to me because I don't feel like I did anything wrong, God. Is this a punishment? Is this a test? I don't know what's going on. I still just said, no, you know what? I'm going to stand on the word of God because the word of God is true regardless of what I feel like right now. So I picked up the phone. I called my husband. I said, babe, the doctor said that they're going to take him to the next hospital. This is what's going to happen. I began to prophesy at that point. I said, they're going to take our baby. They're going to take him down to the hospital. They're going to give him all the tests. All the tests are going to come back in our favor, and we're going to take our baby home the next day. And so the next day came. They put our baby in an ambulance. We followed the ambulance to the next hospital. I cried the whole way there. We got to the hospital, and he was in a room, uh, another cold around him, and there were other sick babies that were all around. And I just remember standing there and praying around all of these babies. And the teams of doctors kept coming in and out, and they were talking in code. And I was just standing there. And the whole time, I would just be crying. But on the inside, I was praying. To the other people in the room, I just looked like a mother who was sitting there hoping and praying and believing God, you know, just for their child and hoping that the doctors will have some kind of advice um, to, to help me move forward and to help heal my child. But you know what? On the inside, I was a warrior. I was armed and dangerous. On the inside of me, I had my sword raised. And under my breath, I was rebuking every sickness and every disease that could come my back baby's way. I was declaring the word of God. My son will live and not die. His children's children shall be blessed. With long life will you satisfy him and show him how good it is to be one of the same. This is what happened. The test came back the next morning. They were all negative. They were all in our favor. The doctor said, Your baby's fine. You can take him home this afternoon. What was that? That was the power of the sword of the spirit. That was the power of the word of God that cuts coming and cuts going. That cuts through soul and joints and marrow. That is the power of the most high God. And I just want you to know today that you have the sword of the spirit on the inside of you. If you are a born again believer, you better know that you've been created in the image and the likeness of the most high God. You better know who you are and know that God has a destiny for your life. And when any trial comes your way, I don't care if it's sickness. I don't care if it's a a, a attack on your business, whatever it is, you know that you have the sword of the spirit, that you know you are not a weak Christian, but you are mighty through God and you can slice through depression. You can slice through anxiety. You can slice through addiction. You can slice through the shame and the guilt of your past in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. 
I want to give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Tabitha, you've been talking to me. I've been listening too much to what my friends have to say on social media. I've been feeling inadequate. I've been feeling like I got to do my hair like this. I've been for tack. If I'm told like that, I've been feeling like everything that I say is wrong lately and I've been under attack. If I'm talking to you, I want to call you down to the altar. This is your time to have a moment with God. I want you to just leave the shame behind. I want you to leave guilt behind today in Jesus' name. And listen, if I'm talking to you, maybe you're the one. And there's no shame here. I was the one walking around. I was a Christian and depressed because I didn't know how to take up my sword. I didn't know the power that I had. But maybe you're here and you've been walking around and you didn't know you had a sword. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. And I want to ask you just to come up to the altar or better yet, just raise your hand where you are. Can you raise your hand where you are if that's you, if I'm talking to you? How many of you have just been dealing with depression and you've had those thoughts of depression and you just feel like, wow, why why can't I be happy? Those depressive thoughts come when you just feel like you're not enough. Like maybe I'm not qualified and I know that God has a destiny for my life, but why don't I feel like this? No, listen to me. Depression is a spirit. And I quoted and confessed the word of God over my life. And I did it for about three months. And I remember the day the spirit of depression left my life. I remember that spirit lifted off of my life. It was like I could see clearly again. If that's you, I want you to know that God has answers for you. I want you to know that God is still a God who heals God is still a God who delivers. He still does the same works that he did in the Bible. If the Bible says it, he'll do it right now in Jesus' name. And so I just want to pray for you. If you've lifted your hand, go ahead and lift your hand. I just want to pray an anointing on you, an anointing of breakthrough, anointing of breakout. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this time today. I thank you for everyone who has lifted their hands. Lord, you know what they need. You know what's in their heart. You know what's in their mind and what they've been going through. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come against every depression, every sickness, every anxiety, every panic attack, every thought that says that they're not qualified, that they're not worthy. I rebuke it all in the name of Jesus. And I just want to declare over their lives that they are free in Jesus' name, that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, do a new thing in them. Let them know from this point and forevermore that they are free. There's no chain that can bind them. There's no shackle that can hold them down. But they are taking up the sword of the Spirit and cutting every negative thing that approaches their life. In Jesus' name, you are victorious. Come on. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.